swallow. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> right. something I don't think that people talk about enough, this is very small, but like when you're done with sex and sometimes it was like a little bit too hard and so like you sit there with like ice or like a cold towel Ashley, on you your do vagina. talk about this and I've I never, never in my life have done this. But I've, I get what you mean, though. I really no, do. No, you've never done it? Wow. I've never, never done, done shame. this. <laughs> not, it's not shame. It's just like, wow, dude, maybe you're having really hard sex. Wait, is the weed lube, does it have CBD or THC? What's It's CBD. Okay. That yeah. No, it's not like you're getting high right, on right, it. Right, right, yeah. That would be like, that would be interesting. That would be a head high. It, oh my god! <laughs> I didn't but, know this was. Sh- I didn't know this was true. But uh, Aaron's gonna pun up our podcast. I, love it. <laughs> I am so sorry. <laughs> Very sorry. I'm Ashley, and I'm Susanna, and you're in the, the wet, wet seat. seat. The podcast dedicated to bringing taboo sex topics into the light. Uh, this episode, we have our good friend Aaron here. Say hello, Aaron. Hello, Etsy. <laughs> <laughs> um, she is very excited. Um, we did want to give like a quick caveat about what this, uh, what we're going to be talking about on the episode. So uh, this episode, we're going to be focused on talking about sex after assault. So if that's not something that you think you'd be comfortable listening to, um, this is your uh, complete non-judgment free uh Exit time. Disclaimer. <laughs> Exit time. Trigger warning. <laughs> um, but uh, we're going to be talking about some stuff, and Aaron has is is pumped about it. Yeah. Erin, uh, do you want do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. So, hello, I'm Erin. Um, what and What do the the wet seat listeners need to know about you? The wet seat listeners <laughs> need to know that. Um, I love sex, mm, mm-hmm. and Bless. more than that, I love sex paired with weed. Okay. Ooh. And I would say that's really my thing lately is, like, getting high and masturbating until oh my God, girl, I we can are no longer. Same thing! <laughs> <laughs> like, after a long day of work, it's not wine, it's no. a joint, and my mm. vibrator. Mm. So, Erin, uh, as a part of uh, the first part of our episode, we delve into the questions, the anonymous questions that our listeners have asked us, and uh, this episode, we have something... Um, that I'm particularly passionate about. Um, the, res- the submission from the listener is no stigma, no fuss, but your girl's got hot curves and sometimes insecurities when a one night stand comes over. Does that cause apprehension with a hookup? How do I communicate how I feel about myself without ruining the mood? Cause we all know self-love doesn't happen overnight, but your girl's got, gotta come sometime. Absolutely. Um, ask the wet seat, what do we think? I actually have some pretty strong feelings out the gate, so I'll let you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. I missed the question in there. Is the question, how do I, how do I communicate that I dig my body so you should too? Is that? The first question is, sometimes insecurities comes up when a one night stand comes over. So does that cause apprehension with the hookup? Hmm. Oh, you mean like for um, the for the person who you're hooking up with, would they maybe be apprehensive if you express an insecurity? I think that's the first question. Got and then it. the second question is, how do I communicate how I feel about myself without ruining the mood? Okay. Um, as a woman with hot curves <laughs> myself, um, I realized something a while back. Uh, for a very long time, I constantly, I hated, I was like the, I still am a lot of the time, but like, I like go to the mirror and I grab my inner tube and, which is what my mom called the fat, um, around my stomach. Whoa. (laughs) No. Don't look into it. No. Um, (laughs) And, uh, I grab my inner tube and I get so upset about like the fat around my stomach specifically. I'm not even that fucked up about like my thighs or like anything else or like back rolls or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's the inner tube. And, um, I, (laughs) maybe because your mother called it an inner tube, (laughs) but like, I also, um, I feel like for the longest time I was like, after sex, I would like look in the mirror at my disheveled, like after sex self and be like, Oh my God, how did this person just have sex with this like monstrous jiggly figure? (laughs) And, and, but I think what I realized is a while back, I don't know, I don't know if anyone told me this or I came to it on my own understanding, 
but I found it really empowering to remind myself that I don't think about who I'm ha- like, I don't yes. think about the fat right, rolls right, 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 of right. the person I'm having sex with no. at all. So they don't think about yours. If I'm having sex with someone, I am not thinking about it. No. And perhaps this listener, if you think about it, this might not be true for you. But like, I think, um, I think it was really empowering to just remind yourself that, um, no one's thinking about your fat rolls. If they have gone on a one night stand with you, they have seen what your body looks like with clothes on. Mm -hmm. And unless you're wearing like five Spanx, (laughs) Um, <laughs> count them five. Count them five. <laughs> Unless you're wearing five Spanx, no one is like gonna be surprised. Mm-mm. Yeah. Um, this like, isn't a catfishing if no. endeavor. Has, is getting in bed with you? It's because they hopefully want to be in bed with you. Right. And I think they don't have sex. Yeah. I so mean, I would. I feel like my first my first advice is to remind yourself like if you feel insecure in the moment and you're like. <laughs> Like, what am I supposed to, like, I feel ugly and gross and um, my hot curves are bothering me. Um, I really do think that it can really calm oneself down to be like, they are literally not thinking about it because I am not thinking about theirs. Mm-hmm. Like, step one. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. For me, I think the thing that comes to mind, um, and maybe this has to do with, like, communicating insecurities or, or just communicating at all, but... Um, I, I, I love, oh my God, there, there's nothing sexier to me than someone being like, this is what I want. This is what I like. I'm like, yes, lay it on me. Tell me what you want. I don't want to be like making assumptions over here about how, Mm -hmm. how your body, you know, receives pleasure. So I, I feel like if you can frame things in that way, in a way that's like, here's how I want to be touched. Here's how I enjoy to be touched. Maybe there's mm-hmm. an insecurity implicit in that, or maybe you're upfront about the in- insecurity and you're like, and I don't want to be touched here. Or like, it makes me nervous or uncomfortable when this, like that, I feel like that is totally fair game when yeah. you're sleeping with someone and should be expected and desired on the part of the other person. So for me, something like that, like communicating desires or communicating insecurities, it is not a turn off in any way. It's actually a turn on. It's like this person being like, Hey, you're here and I'm here. And I know that you want to be here. So I'm going to give you this information because I I trust that you want to make me feel good. So I'm Mm going to give you as much information as I can to do that. You know, it's true. I would say the likelihood that someone who went on a date with you or like is a part of a one night stand, like you met at a bar and you brought them home, the likelihood that you're going to take off your clothes and they're going to be like, ugh, it doesn't happen. Never mind. It doesn't happen. Yeah. It Um, just, yeah. Um, someone's going to write into the wet scene and be like, it happened to me. (laughs) (laughs) Help me eat my words. But, um, I, oh, what I was going to say is like, in terms of like communicating about your insecurities, Mm. I don't know if you, to what Susanna said, like, you don't need to communicate that you're insecure. Yeah. Yeah. You just need to communicate what you want. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean like, I've definitely told partners, like not one night stands, but partners, like I don't like to be kissed on my stomach Mm -hmm. because it makes me think about my stomach. Yeah. Um, but I, for a one night stand, I can just say, I actually, can you kiss my thighs? Yeah. Can yeah. you kiss my neck? Right. Like yeah. you don't have to say like, I'm insecure. So don't touch me there. Exactly. Uh, just say where you do want to be yeah, touched. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> one night stands are so liberating for that very reason, because you're never, unless you choose to, you know, otherwise, yeah. but you're never going to see this person again, potentially. It's so liberating, which is probably why I thrive in that atmosphere because it's like you don't, there's, they're never going to see you again. It, there's no strings attached. Mm-hmm. You don't owe them anything mm-hmm. and you can be bossy. You can like, you, you can't, I mean, you can, don't be like right. <laughs> you can be bossy whenever you damn well please. Like sure. you can't. But for one night stands, and I don't know if it's just me, or hopefully this will help this listener, but you, this person and you have inherently agreed that you were both going to fuck each other tonight. And (laughs) whatever it was agreed upon, it was agreed upon. 
and just trust that. If this person went home with you, it's because they want to fuck you. Um, and you're the only person, as I said before, and you've mentioned this as well, um, you're the only person that ever in the world knows your insecurities. Nobody else ever knows them, ever. And, <laughs> like, really, you're the only one that notices your arms jiggle yeah. or your thighs have cellulite. Like, a man, especially a man, will never... Yeah, I guess we don't know. If, or a woman, it doesn't uh, yeah. matter who you're fucking. Word up. Yeah, word up. Uh, I hope if you would like your question answered on a future episode of The Wet Seat, please uh, use our Google form, which is available on our wet seat, which is thewetseatpodcast.podbean.com. You can access it there, and we will answer your question just like this one. Hopefully, the listener liked their response. If you didn't like the response... Write it again! Uh, write us in again! <laughs> And be like, yo, but I have a problem with that answer. <laughs> we'll try again. Um, Aaron, why a, did you want to... Oh, oh, what were you going to no, say? Nope, go, go. I was literally just going to ask Aaron why she wanted to come on the wet seat. Yes, I wanted to come on the wet seat because I saw this as an opportunity to kind of talk about something that I've, you know, been thinking about since I think I was like 20 and I felt comfortable enough to talk about it finally at length, which is of course, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. you know, having sex after assault and mm -hmm. you know what that means and everyone's different relationship with trauma and their trauma. So it's something that's super personal to me. Like my experience is of course my own and it's, it's specific to me. So not everyone's going to have, mm -hmm. or maybe identify with this, but yeah, I, I just think it's, it's important to talk about how, you know, not everyone's relationship with their own assault is going to be the same across the board. Mm -hmm. Um, everyone copes differently. Uh, and yeah, I just, I really, I would love to talk about it. Yeah. So when you say, like, you've been ready to talk about it since you were 20? Well, I've been thinking about it since I was 20. To be full transparency, mm -hmm. I didn't, I mean, and I'm sure most, you know, people can relate to this and specifically women, but you, you don't really know you're assaulted until after it's happened. Mm -hmm. Like, you're, at least for me, like, I, I was 13 when I was um, sexually assaulted and abused because it was an adult who was mm -hmm. showing me porn and, you know, just, like, touching us and taking photos. And he was a cop. Oh, my God. So you oh never think. This whole thing, you know, there was a huge trial, like, when I was 19. Yeah. And I wasn't called to testify because, you know, my mom kind of wanted me to stay out of it. And I, I wasn't completely honest mm -hmm. with my mom and, and sure. what was happening. I was like, oh, I don't remember much. But really, you remember everything. Right, of course. Um, it, it just kind of floats to you in different ways. But yeah. Um, but yeah, when I was 20 is when I really was like, okay, I have to acknowledge that this thing happened to me when I was very young. Mm -hmm. I've never talked about it. I still rarely do at 23. Mm -hmm. um, but at 20, I was having a lot of sex. Yeah. And I lost my virginity at 19. Like I was very, I was sure. kind of like late in that sense. Um, and not that there's any shame in that. Hey, I loved being a late virgin. I was also, I was late, quote, like, quote, unquote. Like, what does that yeah, even yeah, mean, yeah. late? You know, like, I, I don't know, but, um, yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, I was 19, and it, I didn't start having sex, casual sex until I was, like, 20. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was like, you know, I, I have this history with, you know, assault and abuse, yeah. Um, but I have no problem having sex. Yeah. I must not have really been assaulted, or it must oh, not sure. have been as bad as I thought, you know, mm -hmm. maybe I'm just, you know, being dramatic or whatever. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of those feelings of like kind of discrediting your own experience because you feel ashamed for being sexual Yeah, and, and present and just, you know, I was so proud about being sexual too. I was like, yeah, I love yeah. sex. I, you know, I've kind of always, not always, but starting at 20 is when I really realize that sex positivity is, is okay. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's empowering to be proud of, you know, having sex. Um, but yeah, I was really, it was weird for me to grapple with that. How were you? So if I'm assuming, I'm assuming mm -hmm. that when you were 13, that was your introduction to sex in general. It was like the concept. Oh, a hundred percent. I'm guessing this trial didn't go the way that we'd like it to go. Oh, it, oh, it did not. It very much it's the most fucked up, like, 
you hear about Brett Kavanaugh, and yeah. and we saw that. That I think Brett Ka- Kavanaugh was the first time that I was triggered, like since sure. my since realizing I had been assaulted. Like at twenty, I felt like that same kind of sense of like, oh my god, what is this feeling? This panic, this PTSD, whatever. And then at last year, when he was, when Christine mm-hmm. Blasey Ford came out and on, you know, the whole trial trial was televised, I was like, holy shit, like this is just, it, it, it totally, this happens and it happened to me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he, so this is a crazy story, but to give you some context, okay. <laughs> sorry if I'm rambling. <laughs> not You're not rambling. Okay, good. Um. So at 13, it started when I was 13, it ended around 16, and I was 18, and I received it. I was in AP environmental, seventh period, okay. the end of the day, getting ready to go at the door, and my father texted me, and this was the most horrifying text I've ever received. He said, has been arrested for, on mm-hmm. these accusations of sexual abuse and sexual assault. Your name is being mentioned. Oh Are you God. okay? I was 18 oh my when I when my father texted me that. Mm-mm. And I was like... Dad, wait for <laughs> a girl to come home or, like, give her a phone call, a text in seventh right. period, AP environmental? Right. Like... Also, like, five years after the beginning of it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and also definitely more than five years after the first time this like oh. man did it for sure. Yeah. Go yeah. On. Yeah. It, it, so I received that text and I was like, my name is being, what's going, what? Like what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And so obviously school got out and a couple people started approaching me in the parking lot, like my <gasps> close, close friends. Oh my God. And, and they were like, did you hear about the news? Like, did you hear about, you know, this guy and whatever, mm-hmm. what people are saying about <laughs> So it happened when I was 18 and I was about to go to college. Like there was like two months left of high school and the, they were investigating all summer and I worked at like, you know, the local town watering hole, which was this <laughs> ice cream shop. So he wasn't supposed to like come near any of us. And that whole summer, I think once a week he would come into the ice cream shop <gasps> oh and see God. me. Yep. He would come and be like, hi, Aaron. And he hired a private what? investigator because he didn't want what? to lose. He, had a, he has a daughter. He did not want to lose custody of her. I don't care. Go on. Oh, me either. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I, like, want this motherfucker to go yeah. to jail. So um, I left for school. The trial started. I was in Virginia my freshman year of college. Mm. I think subconsciously I wanted to go as far away as sure, I could from sure. everything. Yeah. But anyway, so the trial happened while I was away from all of it. So... Yeah. I, I wasn't really involved with it, but the issue was, was that they didn't get the right witnesses. Um, he of course lied about things sure. and because my friend was so hypersexualized and was, oh no, and was, um, loud about her sexuality, whether it was on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. And so their entire defense was that somebody who's been assaulted does not act this sexual. And ever since then, I was like, fuck that, because I act that way too, and this happened to me. So how dare you say there's a right way or a wrong way to act after being assaulted? Like, that's bullshit. So, yeah, so that was kind of like the inspiration behind all of this thinking, and, and it just like has stuck with me ever since. And of course you deal with like the guilt, you know, partially I was like, oh, if I had been there, if I had testified and you know, if I had, if I had done something, but you're so young and Mm -hmm. you don't have the language or the education even like even at 18, Mm -mm. you still don't really know. Yeah. You don't know. So I think it's, it's an amazing amount of responsibility that people put on like, I feel like it's so easy for people to be like, I don't understand why you didn't do this thing when you were 17, 18, 19 years old. Yeah. And it's like, my brain was on fire. Right. Exactly. Like, you know, my brain's still on fire at 20. My brain's right. still on fire at 21. Like, it's, uh, yeah, I think it's insane how much people uh, expect so I don't know Aaron, someone to sort of like objectively handle something like that going on. Yeah. When when he was arrested and people were saying like he's been arrested on allegations of sexual assault, at that point did you were you attaching words like that to your experience with him? Or was it just like 
I know that this was fucked up and weird and icky and I don't, you know, mm-hmm. but, but were you actually, or had you ever attached the word sexual assault to what had happened? It honestly, it was not until my junior year of college. I really, at 18, I was like, no, that, that didn't happen to me because he did this to me. That wasn't that, surely. And then you learn about what sexual abuse and what sexual assault entail. And then it's weird because when you when you go through something traumatic, and I'm sure you guys can relate, your brain like separates you from it in, mm-hmm. in the best way it can. It like pushes all of it away and creates this space in your brain where you're like, oh, that happened to that happened to someone else. Mm-hmm. Even if that's someone else that you're referring to subconsciously is you, you like detach. So I wasn't, yeah. I was not comfortable with calling myself a survivor or using the word sexual assault literally yeah. until three years ago. Yeah. Like it wasn't until I was 20 where I was like, this happened to me. It wasn't my fault. Yeah. It wasn't okay. And I think the reason why I was so hesitant to attach those words to my experience was the environment that it happens in contributes to how you perceive it. Totally. You know, if it it happens in an environment where there's a mother, you know, down the hall and, you know, in a loving home, you're like, oh, this is just loving. This is how we show affection in this house. I get it. Like, that's, that's just this house. You know, you don't associate it with anything, you know, bad. And then I think the second thing too is like, you're hesitant to use the word because you think it was your fault. So you don't want to say, oh, this happened to me because it's my fault. Like there's that weird, you know, psychological thing that I think a lot of survivors deal with, which is it's not your fault. And you, you can't, you can't be okay with saying that until you really feel that. And I didn't feel like that until I was 20. So it also, do you ever like feel I think that's something that people don't understand. Uh, do you ever feel um, sad for the person who assaulted you? Or you used to? <sighs> Did you ever have to go through that? I only ask because, like, I think from my experience, I actually, like, for a really long time didn't really identify with, like, survivor label because mm-hmm. I felt bad for the person. Almost. In a weird way. In a terrible yeah probably internalized nonsense way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I totally understand. Like it's, and it's always the people that you, that aren't like sinister. Mm -hmm. Like you would, it's always the people that you would never think. I know that's cliche. Sure. You know, when the whole thing came out, everyone's response was, well, I would never think he would do something like that. He's a cop. He's, I mean, he had everything going for him. Yeah. So... And he did, he was a very charismatic guy. Like people really liked him. My dad, when no, the whole yeah. shit hit the fan, my dad was like, "I can't believe I liked this guy." Yeah. Like I was friends with him. They went out mm. to get drink. Like it just, you know, it shook my whole family. But yeah. I, I, a part of me did kind of feel bad because in my mind I was like, "Well, maybe we're all just re- like being dramatic. Mm. Maybe we're all yeah. just like being a little like." Bleh. Like and then you really think about it and you're like, no, 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 no. no, no. (laughs) There's so many power dynamics in play that made everything he did so not okay. So, but I I did have a little bit of that, like, oh, well, he's a well-intentioned guy. Maybe we're all misconstruing it. I did for a hot minute. I really did. And it wasn't until my father, I saw how angry my dad was where I was like, oh, this person messed up. Cause my dad Mm. really doesn't get angry. Yeah. And when I saw my dad get like enraged, I was like, oh, okay, something was, something was wrong. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that's a really natural reaction to try and find any kind of logic in the situation mm-hmm. to rationalize mm-hmm. it to yourself. Even if that logic is like, this person, this person must be like, has to be a good person. They must be, there must be something that I'm not understanding that. Mm-hmm made exactly this happen in the way that it happened exactly and it's so unfair that like I I feel like you know women have to carry a lot of emotional baggage for men as it is anyway yeah and then for me to have to rationalize why you did what you did yeah that's not my job I have to rationalize your assault yeah yeah it's like 
that's not, that's on you. You got to sit with yourself, preferably in a cell, and <laughs> you know, think about what you did and, and sit with your thoughts and, you know, it, it's, but yeah, I, I completely, I completely agree. It's just, it's a lot of people do that who are survivors mm-hmm. and it's hard not to. Because there's no one right way to react to something like that. There's mm-hmm. totally not. There's totally not. So did you, like, consider yourself, like, when you... You mentioned, like, you know, you, the first time you had sex, you were a late bloomer or mm-hmm. whatever. But, like, were you... I think we hear a lot of stories about, like... And this is obviously a testament to, like, the spectrum of, of experience of assault survivors, right? Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes you can have sexual experiences and, it, like, have sex all the time. And it's not, like, a constant infringement into I think I hear I feel a lot of people are like how do I bring up my assault with my new partners mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. like the need to talk about it the need to like we need to like explain why I'm going to act like this way and that but mm-hmm. that doesn't sound like it's necessarily your experience it's not and I think I have to give credit to therapy because oh. <laughs> you know I god bless therapy god bless therapy and I strongly I can't recommend enough mm-hmm. I, I you know I I my parents got divorced when I was 10 and I've ever since then I've been you know in and out of therapy um but specifically after graduating from college when I really dug in yeah. to like the crux of all of my emotional anxieties and issues and what have you Um, I discovered that I really wasn't, I didn't even really talk to my therapist about what happened because I'm so stubborn with my, like, I have to know if I say something, if I do something, if I think something, I'm so stubborn where I have to, I have to understand why I said it myself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I get really stubborn, which I don't recommend because Mm. if you have a therapist, you should talk these things through. Um, but I am just so stubborn that I am like. I want to figure out why I'm feeling this way. And I'm going to think a lot, a lot, a lot and write in my journal and figure out what the root of this feeling is. And I'm going to break it down (laughs) and then I can talk about it (laughs) because I don't want anyone to that. (laughs) Yeah. Like I am so stubborn in that way, which is a flaw, but, um, (laughs) which is a flaw, (laughs) which is a flaw. Um, but I, you know, therapy did give me the tools to do that. Yeah. Um, and so, Uh, Yeah, I just, with my partners, I haven't ever discussed it. I brought it up with one guy once. Yeah. Because it was kind of fresh. This was my junior year when I was starting to like. Yeah. Actually, actually, no, I'm sorry. This was before I had sex. This was my sophomore year. Okay. It's my sophomore year of college. Okay. And before I was like on the cusp of nineteen, I would lose my virginity a couple months after this. <laughs> um, just so we're Thank clear. you for the context. <laughs> <laughs> but I was hooking up with this guy, and he was like, "Tell me your story." And I was like, what? What? <laughs> like, like uh, what? Whatever. I say shit like that all the time. I can't even be like, what? No. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, was, like, I'd always be like, what's your story, bro? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, actually I get true. It. Me like, too. I'm like, tell me who you I'm are, totally, bitch. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, who the fuck are you? And I understood, like, what, mm-hmm. but he wanted to, like, go deep with me. And <laughs> me being, like, freshly realizing that I was, you know, assaulted when I was young yeah. and the ramifications of all of that. Um, and this was our second date, by the way. I like turned to him. I turned to him and I was like, I was assaulted. <laughs> and he was like, oh, whoa. And I was like, yeah, I mean, he was very nice. He, sure. he, he had like the perfect response. He was very supportive. Um, but he was the only person I ever shared it with. And even my most recent boyfriend that I, my yeah. ex, I didn't even tell him. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I think because I compartmentalize, which again, probably isn't the healthiest thing, but, um, I'm very particular with who I share those things with. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, not because I get sad about them anymore. I really am in a place where I'm like, I can talk about it healthily, which is why I wanted to do this today. Um, but I, it it takes a lot for me to get to that level of trust with someone romantically. So I think I'm holding out on describing the experience until I really feel like, okay, this person's going to be in my life for a while, and that's why I need yeah. to explain that maybe I have some behaviors that, you know, are a result of what happened to me. Yeah. How long, but, this most recent boyfriend, how long were you guys dating, just out of curiosity? Yeah, we were dating for, oh, like, four and a half months. It was very, it was a very quick thing. 
Um, and he was a long time in college years. He was great. You know, he was a nice guy. Uh, I just didn't, I knew it wasn't gonna, I feel so bad saying this. I knew it wasn't gonna be a long lasting thing. The sex was great, which was all it needed to be. Um, and yeah, it was, it was more of a superficial relationship. So Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not going to go super deep. I'll let you like dip a toe in, but I'm going to go deeper. Right. Does it ever, um, I'm going to bring up something. So my therapist said something to me where I'm actually like, you know how uh, I feel like it's, I think for us, it's like, oh, like someone who's like hypersexual after assault and like, doesn't think about it. Like when they're like having sex with people or whatever, uh, is like kind of against the norm. But Mm -hmm. I actually think, so my therapist, when I was talking about like my obsession, obsession (laughs) with talking about like sex therapy and sex education and like Mm -hmm. all that stuff, she was like, were you abused? Like her immediate, her immediate question for me was, Mm -hmm. were you sexually abused as a child? Because, and like her thing is she was like, people who were are sexually abused sometimes uh then counter it mm-hmm. by yeah. being like i'm gonna take ownership yes of this thing yes what was your exactly. response to her ashley um i got i mean i'm not gonna lie so at this point this was three this was like i had already told my therapist i was breaking up with her and <laughs> this was like <laughs> and this is therapist breakup <laughs> and this was two sessions before we were about to end oh my god wait i'm sorry how many sessions did you have with her after you told her you uh, were breaking up with her four. Oh wow <laughs> christ i ghosted mine no i emailed her i emailed her i was like hey hon it's been a good run not so good actually um i think it's been good for you it hasn't been so good for me but i'm out wow good for you guys i i i always give my therapist closure um (laughs) you have to you spend a lot of time with i did um but she yeah so first of all i wasn't super comfortable asking that question with so little time left Mm -hmm. in our relationship Mm -hmm. um and also I'm not fully comfortable with I think (laughs) podcast listeners getting the hot scoop because I honestly don't talk about it at all but like after my dad died it came to light that he liked child pornography Mm. that he was kind of obsessed with like younger girls my mom told me a lot of stories about like and I remembered but I didn't pay attention totally that, like, he always, like, was kind of weird around, like, especially when I was, like, 13, 14, 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, like, all of my friends that were, like, developed at that age, mm-hmm. he paid a lot of attention to. Um, I wouldn't say it went anywhere, like, showing them porn. or uh, It was, like, more of, like, a kind of inappropriate attention mm-hmm. than it was, like, come sit on my lap, that kind right. of thing. Mm-hmm. Versus, um, and I did not tell her that. I decided yeah. to moot. I was like, because I honestly was offended yeah. by the question. Yeah. I was like, no, because I actually think it's also very rooted in just in general. I think when you're in an Arkansas abstinence only education and you've mm. been like shut out of sex your entire life. Yeah. Right. I think it's also natural to be like, oh, I'm going to figure out all I can about this thing. Right. right. You know? And uh, so I feel like that's like 60%. Yeah. Oh, the reason why I'm interested in sex education, and I think Arkansas. You mean if there, you mean your upbringing? Yeah, like just being shut out of sex altogether. Right. Yeah. Infuriated me. So <laughs> I think like that's more having to do with it. But I was like, I did not tell her the thing about my dad because I think to this day I'm not completely sure how it affected me. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? So you're kind of stubborn as well in the way that oh, you want to figure out yourself <laughs> first before you talk to someone else about it. Yeah. Yeah, I, in the same way. I was like, like, I don't have an opinion about this yet. I'm right. not going to tell you about I'm it. I'm going to go home tonight and <laughs> stew and fester in this thought and this anger. And then I'm going to come back to you next week with the dissertation. And you're not going to poke holes in that because I did my homework. But I guess I, I also wonder, I'm like, what's the point? Yeah. Of connecting, like, my... In connecting my... What are we going to figure out? Right. Right. By me being like, "Mm, you're right. Because I was abused as, like, a 14-year-old, or, Mm -hmm. like, my dad was inappropriate. Well, right. And uh, I think it also... I'm obsessed with sex education. It just didn't... I didn't... It didn't pan out for me. Yeah. That's fair. (laughs) I mean, I think it's a question of, like, what what narrative do you want to tell about yourself? And Mm -hmm. the... 
you know, even, even just in the simple act of asking a question like that, like, were you abused? There is the assumption of a narrative, um, mm-hmm. that, you know, that therapist or whomever is asking the question is potentially putting on you. And I think there's mm-hmm. a really natural resistance to that to be like, okay, well, hold up a minute. Like maybe, maybe I was, or maybe there was like some inappropriateness in my sexual history or familial, whatever. But does that necessarily mean that that was a contributing factor in making me who I am? Right. And I think, I mean, I, I can very much relate Ashley to pushing back against an inquiry like that and being like, I'm not going to let you decide for me what the narrative is here exactly so you never had these kind of run-ins with your therapist because you just didn't ever um (laughs) no I I was so like and I loved my therapist yeah I just in I think what I was talking about with her was mostly like my relationship with my father because after you've been assaulted by someone who is a father yeah it's very like, and I and I would never tell my dad any of this because sure. I know I would it would just crush him. And also, like, we're just we don't have that sort sure. of like deep, comfortable relationship. Like, my mom is like my person. I will tell that bitch anything. But my dad is very like. There's like a wall there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I kind of wanted to. Yeah, I, I just didn't know how to handle my relationship with my dad because my dad was a great dad growing up. You know, nothing mm-hmm. nothing weird happened, you know, whatever. But when you've been assaulted by someone else's father, you sure. look at every interaction with your father right. and you're like, was that messed up too? Like, is everything messed up? Mm-hmm. And you go back and you evaluate, like, every interaction with an uncle or a cousin or a... Like, you know, I have a new stepfather at this time in my life. So I'm like, oh, is he a fucking creep? You know, it's like you reevaluate everything, every hug, every kiss, every, you're like, you know, was there more behind it? And it kind of like that, that's been my relationship with my trauma is it's affected my relationship with my dad because I've, maybe that's sort of like the issue I have with men and not, not in the bedroom though. Maybe that's kind of how I... Right, you take your trauma elsewhere, but, Mm -hmm. like, in the bedroom, it's, like, a different compartment. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that is, like, my space. Because I, like, I I enjoy sex. I have, you know, a healthy sexuality. I love having sex with men, and it's great. Um, And I've never, even if, you know, there have been some moments where I'm, like, I'm not comfortable with this... I'm in a place where, and I think it's maybe because I started Mm -hmm. having sex later in my life, where I was a little more empowered and I felt more comfortable being like, no, I'm not okay with that or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, had I started having sex at maybe 17, maybe it would have been a different story, you know, because I, I just don't know. But yeah, my trauma definitely affects my relationships with you know, I think my father and men outside mm-hmm. of the bedroom and in the bedroom, I'm like, no, this is like my, this is my safe space, which feels backwards, but. Well, but it's I also it a question of, of like, I mean, like it, it, to, to let someone into your bedroom is an act of trust and, and like a particular action taken by yourself, but to, to just like be, be in relation to people outside of the bedroom is, mm-hmm. well, yeah. Or, or it's like, I don't, I don't know what your motives are, you know, mm-hmm. like there's a questioning, there's like a, what's your deal kind of thing. Instead yeah. of taking that other step to be like, Oh, I actually want to invite you in. Like that's mm-hmm. a position of power that you don't necessarily have if you're just interacting with people. I don't know, which is kind of a funny, like backward way of thinking of it almost. Right? It is. And for so long, I felt like abnormal. Like I was like, oh, this just isn't like, I'm a bad survivor. I'm a bad survivor. <laughs> you know, amazing. like I, don't, <laughs> I genuinely, I was like, there's something wrong with me because I'm okay with having sex. Like, and I'm okay with, you know, men touching me or whatever. I mean, consensually. Yeah. But um, I mean, yeah, please still ask, but mm-hmm. like, yeah, it, it just, it really, like, I thought about it a lot, like the last couple of years. And I'm like, there's gotta be something wrong with me where I'm okay <laughs> with having sex, but I can't go on a date with mm-hmm. a man because it's like, and, 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 you know, it's, 
It's just actually that I. It's funny that you say that because I. I know I have someone very close to me in my life who who I think would express a very similar point of view about like being the survivor of sexual assault and feeling immensely comfortable with sex and yet feeling a kind of disconnect or distrust um, in a in a different like realm mm-hmm. of interaction. I think it takes right. it takes all sorts or, or you know trauma results in all kinds of different um, manifestations after the fact. Totally. And I think it depends largely also on like, you know, this sounds, I don't mean to like sound trivial when I say this, but yeah. like the type of assault, like oh, totally. I, you know, I wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. raped by this man. So maybe that has contributed to my comfortability within the bedroom. Like it wasn't, you know, in not yeah. to like diminish other ways of being assaulted because I yeah. was assaulted in those ways, but I think it's just physically how your body responds or reacts to trauma. Yeah. You know, mine was pretty on the surface. Sure. You know, like it wasn't as, uh, you know, not to say it wasn't still fucked up, but it just wasn't as maybe like, I don't know how to say like. I don't think, I'm not telling you how to live your life. Yeah. But I also don't think that you need to. Uh, what like rationalize why you don't think like why does it affect your sex life because I think ultimately um, and I think why your story is powerful is because it is just one uh, example of the spectrum of experiences that can happen totally regardless right like someone who could have gone through exactly what you went through could have the opposite reaction totally so I you know you're right. It's, I appreciate you saying that. No, I, it's, I, yeah. I I'm, I'm like watching you and I'm like, don't rationalize this. Yeah. <laughs> I feel forget what that, you like, feel. Yes. <laughs> I forget that like everyone's brains are literally different. Yes. Like indeed. everyone's brain is different. How everyone responds, how trauma affects the brain, where it lives in the brain and yeah. the body. It's, everyone is so different. And there's not a rule book. As I said before, there's not like a, you know, you've been assaulted, turn to page five to learn <laughs> how to like cringe when someone touches your lower back in bed. Or like, you know, it's, it's not, you know, like if there was a book on this shit, maybe we would know how to act, but there's not. So it's, you know, it is different. It, there's definitely a spectrum. So I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. I am like personal. I'm right now. I'm so full of rage because like, I'm just thinking about, um, all of When are you people. not full of rage? I'm constantly <laughs> full of rage. It's okay though, me too. <laughs> I'm full of rage right now because uh, I'm just thinking about all the people that could hear your story and be like, deserved it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, Like, yeah, because yeah, of that yeah. hypersexuality, because of the sex positive, like, mm-hmm. I think that's the most fucked up part of sharing a story. Oh, yeah. And that's like, what like the this, defense used right? against right? my friend. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. that is like for some, I mean, not for some reason. I could go down the reasons, but like society and like a lot of, a lot of society actually would take your story and be like, aha, this like, is why, this is why, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And that's, and I think that's why I think it's like important to talk about these stories, but also like damn, man, why can't we just, like, accept spectrum of experience? Right. And, like, not damn people. Right. Like, not damn victims based on how they react. Totally. To what has happened to them, you know? And to those people, I would say, turn to any 13-year-old you know and tell them that they deserve... Yeah, exactly. What happened to me? I mean, yeah, I'm I'm raged, too. I'm raged. (laughs) (laughs) Aaron, something you said just hit me. Um, uh, what what did you mean when you said that? Um, so you don't like to date? You just like to have sex? <laughs> I just something you said earlier made yeah. me realize that I was like, oh wait a minute, we need to step back a second. I did say that, didn't I? You did. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, girl, you know, I feel you there. Yeah, it's just. I have, like, a really hard time with 
emotional 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 intimacy mm-hmm. as opposed to physical intimacy sure for whatever reason i feel like it's easier for me to connect with someone physically because it feels you don't have to have emotions with physicality you can and it, i think it enhances the physicality of the relationship sure. um but if you know, if the date isn't just like small talk, it kind it's hard for me. It's hard for me to be like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, because I, I don't I don't know. I have a really weird history. Well, I don't want to say it's weird, but I have a pretty expansive history with mm-hmm. you know, I've experienced a lot of things that have not been so happy. Sure. Um, and I think in my brain I'm still trying to rationalize like hey, I can still have these experiences and still be a happy person. Like, it doesn't, you know, the two can be mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, or, wait, is that the right phrase? Yeah. They yeah. don't have to be okay. mutually exclusive. Like, you don't have to be happy or... Um, right. Yeah. Susanna's got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess you know. Yeah, like, thank you so much. Like, you can be, yeah. you can have, you know, sort of like a deep past that has had a lot of, you know, hardships and... Um, still be happy and I think I'm still trying to reconcile like hey I'm still you know a happy person I I just hate presenting anything other than like a positive front yeah but yeah I have a hard time with uh with dating if it's not just um like small talk that leads to just a one night stand (laughs) I can't tell you how many one night stands I've had I love it and I mean, I wanna, also, I, like, Susanna, I want to let you in on Aaron's one night stand that is my favorite one night stand. <laughs> oh, wait, which one? Which one? Which one? Uh, will you, the lift. Will you please tell about the lift? <laughs> oh my god. Did you sleep Susanna. with the lift driver? <laughs> Buckle up. I have another friend who slept with that not lift, but Uber driver. I, oh, so it was my, it was May of last year. And it was like the weekend after my birthday and some of my coworkers mm-hmm. wanted to take me out for like a birthday brunch and inevitably that birthday brunch extended all the way, you know, mm-hmm. to oh, 5 yes, p.m. Naturally. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, a couple bars later, I am like hammered, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not blackout, but I'm like, I'm pretty hammered. Yeah. Um, so I'm in my lift, I get in and we're driving and I'm like, oh, I really, I just need to like make out with someone and I just need to like have sex and I need it now and it needs mm-hmm, to be over. Mm-hmm. And this is like totally my thing. Like he's in a fucking car that's his. So you can just drive away after right. this. is perfect. So halfway through the ride, you know, we're like small talking. And by the way, he's not even attractive. Oh my God. His name was <laughs> like wearing a baseball hat. I love it. He's 24, 24, sure. you know, not, but not attractive, really. Yeah. It was just a mouth, a face to sit on. Uh-huh. So. Mm. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. Are Please you tell me you sat on his face. <laughs> I did. And yeah. so he oh drove me to God. my home. <laughs> Halfway through the ride, I asked him if he wanted to make out. We did. And then he got me to my house. And he asked me. I he was like, wait, wait, can wait. I? Stop, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. stop. How do you yeah. even bring something you, like how that How do you up? bridge it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. So. I know that we're still 20 minutes away from my destination but i was just wondering before we get there are you interested in making out i will pay you for your time (laughs) exactly like when i tell you i just really have i am not embarrassed by much and i will say like i just don't care and Mm. i and especially when i'm drinking i'm just like I need someone to make out with. Will you make out with me? I said it like that. And I just asked him. And he was like, sure. And he, because I was like, who's going to say no? So, I mean, people have said no. No, I know. I'm just amazed that like, I mean, I guess it's just funny because I'm like, um, you had to have read his vibes a little bit. Oh, he definitely thought I was attractive. Okay, cool. Yeah, Yeah, no, for sure. If I wasn't getting like She's not just shooting in the dark. Girls know, girl knows (laughs) how to play it. You totally, you, like, I got in, and he was like, oh, hey, like, how's your night then? And I was like, oh, okay. okay. It's saucy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, we well, I'm trashed and horny. <laughs> exactly. And had I had a vibrator at this point in my life, this may have never happened. So oh, no. let's right. keep, let's keep no that vibrator. in mind. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we get to my house. I make him, like, pull to the end of the street, mm. and he asks me, he's like, can I eat you out? And I was like, oh. <gasps> 
Of sir. course. Yeah. Of course. But I am so neurotic. I looked at his mouth to make sure there were no cold sores. I am neurotic as fuck. <laughs> I am so scared of STDs. I'm like, I mean, girl, you're just taking care of your business. Like, if he's just I'm a one night stand, like. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I'm imagining Erin grabbing this man by his cheeks and just like pulling him into her face just to like analyze his mouth. All right. That's exactly. I was like, I know. I I always just ask. I'm like, do you have a cold sore? I'm such a like. Do I'm so weird. I'm so right. weird. So he proceeds to eat thy pussy, and then oh my God. Um, I'm so turned on by anyone who is like, can I eat you out? I'm like, fucking yes. Like when I say no. Absolutely. Me too. Like, I just lo- I used to not like getting eaten out. Like, I really didn't enjoy it until I was eaten out properly. Like, sure. Of course. Yes. Like, well. So, yeah, we were hooking up and, um. <sighs> wow, you really lucked out with. <laughs> I know. I didn't even have to, like, touch his penis. I didn't give him a blowjob. I didn't give him a handjob. Wow. Like, nothing. And he came. So I was like, well, Whoa. Whatever. Like. Wait, just well, like spontaneously like, in his pants? <laughs> he <laughs> he spontaneously combusted on my ass. <laughs> Thank you so much, Aaron, uh, for coming on and telling your story. Uh, I think this was uh, I thought this is a lovely episode. This Thank was you. a lovely time to spend with you. Yes. Thank um, you guys. And I'm so excited you wanted to come on the wet seat and sit in the wet seat. Yes. It's slippery. It's slippery. <laughs> um, as always, we need to thank our co-producer, Biz- Billy Coles, uh, our episode artist, Rebecca Todaro, who we love. You can always buy her stuff in our Redbubble store. We're under the Wet Seat podcast. Um, we also want to thank Alex Jones, who does our music for the podcast, which we love. Um, again, if you want to do Ask the Wet Seat, the Google form is available on our website, thewetseatpodcast.podbean.com. Uh, we hope to hear from you. And you should, of course, follow us on Instagram. We're also there at the Wet Seat. Um, and y'all, don't forget, stay wet. <laughs> <laughs>